finest I'll show you where I get it from Open up your eyes, man Say Jesus is the fine And in them we abide He changed us Do you want that kindness? Let me help you find this I'll show you where I get it from Open up your eyes, man Say Jesus is the fine And in them we abide He changed us Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back to The Hive. My name is Robert and I am one of the contributors here at uh, Subculture Inc. and with The Hive podcast. And welcome. I'm, I wish I could say that I was excited uh, during these times. Uh, the coronavirus is definitely impacting life uh, for me in particular and I know for many other people life is very scary and it is very um, ambiguous as to what our next steps are individually as a nation society at large and yeah I'm I'm very aware of that uh, personally uh, my finances have been affected. I am a person that is uh, part of the vulnerable group to, um, to get the virus. So, so with all that said, I know that that many people feel heavy and they're just looking for some hope, uh, looking for things to allow them to just decompress and to hopefully lift their spirits up. And so I hope this podcast is a blessing. So I'm going to continue our walk through Hebrews. And yeah, I pray that this content is a blessing. So last time I gave a little bit of my history with Hebrews and gave a little bit of of context to what we will be doing as far as engaging Hebrews through podcasts, through music that I will write through giving you different theologians, uh, some interviews, hopefully with some experts in Hebrews, uh, and exposing you to music that hopefully will be a blessing to you. And and yeah, so that was the last podcast. So in this podcast today, I want to give a bit of an overview of the book of Hebrews, give you some background info. And yeah, let's jump in. So so one, I'll say that I am not an expert, neither have I gotten my PhD in Hebrews. And so therefore, my hopes for this time is that we would be inspired to walk together, to go deeper in the scriptures and uh, reach for biblical literacy, right? And so Hebrews, a little bit of the background, who is it addressed to? Who is this epistle addressed to? One, it seems that it is uh, addressed to Jewish believers, and you can tell by the the sheer amount of references to things that are very Jewish in nature throughout this epistle. And this epistle has this interesting format where it doesn't look exactly like a known letter. It it seems a bit uh, of an essay format, but then it closes with a traditional uh, closing that we would recognize. But throughout the letter, there are things that are referenced that are very Hebraic in nature. And 
obviously Gentiles would not have been as familiar with some of the things being referenced. So it seems that it, it is uh, written for and about and to um, Jewish believers. Um, where is it uh, addressed? That is also under <laughs> a lot of thought by many scholars as you do your research. It's, um, there, are, there, are, there are many thoughts on the where and some people think it is uh, most applicable to Rome and that uh, the, the epistle was supposed to end up in Rome, right? So that's, a th- that's one thought, prevailing thought out there. When? Uh, so <laughs> the when is interesting. Um, through a lot of research, it seems that it's been written between uh, the time period of AD 55 and uh, before AD 70. And there are some clues within the letter that kind of give us that information. Um, clearly, the first leaders of the church in Rome have died um, because the, the letter in the letter, the writer says to remember your leaders. And the temple, it, se- uh, it seems to still be an operation because a lot of things are referenced within the letter with the clear assumption that temple sacrifices are still going on and we know that the letter was I mean we know that the temple was destroyed in AD 70 um, and the sacrifices obviously ceased so so the the thought is uh, that the writer wrote to the Romans in this uh, epistle between AD 55 and AD 70 okay moving right along um, another way I will say another way that, uh, we know, um, that it's in this time period is, is it appears that Nero has ascended to power, which leads to the why that this, this epistle was written. When you look throughout the whole letter, it appears that the, the general crux of this letter is is meant to inspire Jewish believers to keep the faith, to remain steady, to have endurance, and to remain in Christ, right? And when you look at the uh, time period under Nero's uh, reign, he started out in a in a manner that some would say is good, and that is similar to maybe Hitler when he started uh, his own rise to power. And there were some good things in, in, in both of these men. But quickly, but quickly under Nero, uh, he became a megalomaniac. Um, although he started good, he kind of went off the deep end. And under Nero, um, you, can, you can see within this letter that homes were being vandalized, possessions were being confiscated, some of them were being thrown in prison, and um, there's even this reference within the letter to visit those who are in prison. And Timothy is mentioned, one of those who had been in prison and was released, and you find that out towards the end. Uh, so all in all, we find that the block 
had gotten hot for Jewish <laughs> believers. And uh, you see all of these things starting to transpire. And it's worth notice, noticing and noting that the, uh, Jewish believers had an out out of all of these things that were happening under Nero that Gentile believers did not. Uh, they had the ability to return to the synagogue and renounce their faith, right? So, yes, Christ Christians in, gener in general were being persecuted, and whether they were Gentile or Jewish, but what's, what's interesting is, is noting that Jews could, Jewish people could have literally just renounced everything, returned to the synagogue, and um, turned their back on Jesus. And hence, why you find um, the writer of Hebrews uh, kind of condemning that way of escape uh, from the faith and, and through a variety of means telling them to keep the faith. And the, the writer employs all of these literary devices to encourage and inspire faithfulness. And it doesn't seem that it's coming uh, necessarily from this condescending place because even within the midst of the, the letter, you find the, this language, let us uh, do this, let us walk in this way, let us. And so it seems that the writer is coming alongside and saying, we can do this together. Let us um, follow after our Lord in such a way and strengthen the, the, that, the feeble knees and the hands that hang limp, right? So, um, so yeah, I, I think that's beautiful. And I, I think it's even more beautiful to study this letter and to read this letter devotionally in the midst of our world feeling very dark and feeling very uninspiring. Uh, yeah, so, so yes, that, that is a bit of the why. And now let's look um, at the author. <laughs> so this is my favorite part. <laughs> so there are a lot of different uh, theories and hypotheses out, out there. Um, the prevailing one that I, it seems that most people kind of ride through is that Paul is uh, the author. And, and many people just kind of take this for granted that Paul, of course, he wrote it. Um, and, and early, uh, manuscripts of King James, uh, just assume that Paul wrote it, right? <laughs> um, <laughs> so there's this thought that, that, that Paul obviously did it. I personally don't think so when you look at his, the way that he writes and his, his wording, but there are some similarities, right? Um, another thought is Barnabas wrote it. And Tertullian suggested this, and he seemed to have thought that this was obvious uh, because Paul was close <clears throat> to Paul in his ministry. And uh, other thoughts are Luke wrote it, and Origen of Alexandria thought that. Uh, uh, Clement uh, of Rome is thought to have written it. Martin Luther proposed that Apollos wrote it. Um, and he seems to have put all these things together to, to say that, of course, um, Apollos wrote it. Um, and 
another thought out there that I like is that Priscilla wrote it. And so uh, in recent times, even, uh, even in the 1900s, there was this thought that Priscilla could have written it. And Adolf von Harnack uh, thought this, uh, that Priscilla was indeed the writer of the Epistle to the Hebrews. And, um, and he has some interesting thoughts about why that I would suggest that you would look up. Um, another person is Ruth Hoppin thought that, of course, Priscilla wrote it. And she even has this work called Priscilla's Letter, Finding the Author of the Epistle to the Hebrews. So she has interesting thoughts and she says that Priscilla meets every qualification. She matches every clue and looms ubiquitous in every line of investigation. Um, she also says that the masculine participle that is used in the writing uh, may have been altered by a scribe or that the author was deliberately, deliberately using a neutral participle as a kind of abstraction. Right. And so, of course, Priscilla uh, would not have given herself away that she was the writer. Right. Is 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 the thought um, I'm kind of banking. I like to imagine that Priscilla wrote it um, <laughs> and maybe that's the defiance in me um, against patriarchy. But um, we don't know. Only the Lord knows. But uh, I'm going to bank on it's a female writer. Um, and the classiness of the letter, I'm going to bank on it. So uh, the last thing I want to put uh, in this particular episode is giving a, a, a kind of an overview outline. And I'll just say it very simply. And uh, I'll probably put up on the website at subseastudents.com. I'll probably give a more in detailed or uh, outline uh, kind of going chapter by chapter and, and chunk by chunk. But in chapters one through 10 of the letter, I like to think of that as the, it's this negative contrast um, that is used in, in within chapters one through 10, Jesus is being proclaimed as being so much better than all the things that um, Judaism in the Old Testament has to offer. And so clearly Christ is better. And so there's this back and forth ping pong almost feeling of, oh, you want to do this? You want to go back to angels? Well, what about Jesus? Oh, we're talking about a high priest among men. Jesus is better even than that. We're talking about the prophets of old. Well, what about the, gr the greatest one who stands above the prophets, right? And so there's this back and forth almost negative contrast in chapters 1 through 10 where the Son of God is listed as better and uh, more supreme even. And then in the last chapters, 11 through 13, there's this kind of positive continuity David Pawson talks about. And um, the things that uh, remain from the Jewish um, perspective that will continue on into the future. And so it's faith, hope, love, all these things, and this focus on Jesus that will ride into eternity. So there's the negative contrast uh, in chapters 1 through 10, and then uh, chapters 11 through 13, there's this uh, positive uh, contrast that crescendos uh, into chapters 12 and 13 that are beautiful and, and really inspire hope and courage and 
you, you coming up that mountain to the city of the living God, where there are innumerable angels, where they're the spirit of just, just men made perfect. And it's beautiful. It's beautiful. I can't wait to get there. Um, chapter 12 is my absolute favorite um, chapter in the Bible. And, and, and so, yeah, I just want to leave you with this kind of uh, broad strokes uh, brush of, of, of Hebrews. And next time, I really want to dig into chapters one and possibly two, but definitely chapter one. And got my notes and my resources ready. And I really want to dig into that together. I love chapter one and how it sets this, this foundation stone for going into the book of Hebrews. So alas, uh, have a great day. I'm praying for courage and strength for all of us in this dark time. If you appreciated this episode and you want more content from Subculture Inc., make sure you head over to our website at www.subcultureinc.org. And once again, thank you for listening.